There is no one who has not heard of her or her brand of clay. Donna Cato has been working with polymer clay for decades, and as an icon, she has inspired people from all over the world to work with this Madeira as well. Starting in television, teaching classes in many different countries, and sharing knowledge online. I'm humbled to bring this new podcast interview with Donna to you. Make yourself a cup of tea and enjoy listening to the Polymer Week podcast. Hello, Donna. I'm very happy and excited to have you here as our guest in the Polymer Week podcast. Lucy, I am so happy to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, I'm I'm very grateful that we can connect in this way. We can see each other after years. And it's a wonderful opportunity today to ask you a lot of things about your career, your clay, your art. So I would love to start with something that is really special about you because you are the only artist in your community with own brand of polymer clay. So would you be so kind and tell us how did this opportunity come to your life? How many years ago? Okay, Lucy. So I can't... Uh, the clay was released in 2001. You know how I knew? How I know? Mm -hmm. Because that was the year the Twin Towers were hit in New York. <laughs> 2001, okay. I will never forget. Now, the way yeah. it came about, though, um, was really luck. Uh, I look at it and I say, I am such a lucky person. Because I worked in the trade. Now, there were people mm -hmm. working outside of the trade. I happened to work in the trade. And some of the people who didn't work in it thought I was a sellout because I was working for companies promoting their products. So through working first with Kemper, then with Polyform, then with Fimo, I had met lots of people. But the most critical person I met relating to Cato Polyclay was Bob Auger from Van Aken. Van Aken mm -hmm. makes another modeling material. They make tempera paints, things like that. So I knew Bob, you know, we'd have a drink at the uh, the good old ACCI show. And the, anyway, you, you start to make friends because you see these people at these big trade shows. So after FEMO ended, <laughs> you have to understand, I'd also, I'd already got polyform FEMO. What was left? You work with all of them. <laughs> so... Vernon, my husband, said, let's make our own clay. And I said, okay, honey, we'll put the mixer in the basement. We'll put the extruder in the barn. And by the way, neither one of us are chemists. And <laughs> uh, so I thought he was nuts. He was nuts. But, you know, he mm -hmm. just kept saying, well, we, need, we need to make clay. We need to make clay. So I said, okay, 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 let's talk to Bob Auger. Maybe Bob will have some idea. Maybe he'll be willing to make the clay. And initially, all we wanted was a white sculpture clay like Sculpey. 
I mean, we didn't mm -hmm. have great big dreams of polymer glory, right? We, we just wanted this really humble beginning. Let's just start there. So we called Bob and Bob said, why don't we make it in colors? <laughs> and so I just about fell off my chair because I couldn't imagine that anybody would be willing to take that much mm -hmm. on. But he was. And then we started working together on it. And the result was Cato Polyclay. Wow. I'm curious, did he, did Bob had all the equipment that was necessary for the production? Well, he had, um, he had to buy new equipment because the clay that he makes um, is uh, clay tune clay, which is a non-drying. It never gets hard. It's an animation clay. So there's no way you can make both at the same time. Plus he had something else he made, <laughs> which is really funny. They're called non explosive simulants. Mm -hmm. He was making products that simulated C4 explosive material. Mm -hmm. And this is the stuff that, you know, they test dogs on, you know, sniffing. Wow. Can you sniff out the... So he has that and he had that in completely different parts. So, so none of the other modeling materials ever were exposed to whatever happened there. But um, he had to get new equipment. He had to get new equipment mm -hmm. to do it. And he was willing to do it, which just totally amazed me because it's, it's a major, uh, major expense. But he did it. What was your career at the moment exactly before you started your own brand of clay? Like... What was your name in the polymer clay community? Because this guy, he put a lot of money, as you said, into this project. He trusted you a lot. So was it like sure for him that it's going to be a success because you already were a star in our community? You know, I I have never talked to Robert about that, but mm -hmm. you've hit on something. Um You know, through the whole process of making the clay, I didn't think about consequences. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until the night before we released the clay at the HIA show in Anaheim, California, the biggest trade show there is, that I realized that there is a possibility of failure. And failure would be that nobody cared about it and there was no interest in it because we had kept it under wraps for the whole the whole year we developed mm -hmm. it. And I realized then that if it was a failure that Robert would have been the one who invested all that money in equipment, in time and Tony's time to formulate the clay and materials that were made that were acquired to get to the I mean I don't even know how much money that was but I know 
it was a lot of money and I know it wasn't mine. Now, mm -hmm. I don't mind failing if I am spending my money and doing yeah. it. Different experience. It's a mm -hmm. different thing when someone else has spent that money. And if it's a failure, you know, I, I'm not paying for it. So that was a real fear. And it took until that moment for me to even think about it. So I'm not sure what that says about me. But um, luckily... That didn't happen. Luckily, there was a big stir about it, and people were excited and happy for me and for us. Wow. What was the reaction of the community and polymerical enthusiasts when they first started working with your clay? Because we can say that your brand is different than others. It's a different consistency. The principle is different. So I'm curious how did they accept that? Well... I think that there were some people who wondered why it happened to me, of all people. And I I would not say that that's, that wasn't unreasonable. It was a reasonable question for many people to ask. Because there really was no reason why it happened to me, other than I happened to be in the right place at the right time and mm -hmm. the opportunity presented itself or you know I I knew Robert so we we kind of yeah. made it happen when we called him but there were plenty of other people working with clay really good and had good solid reputations and names um And, and so I don't know why there isn't a Maureen Carlson clay or there isn't, you, you know what I mean? She worked in the, in the industry. Barbara McGuire worked in the industry. We all worked there at the same time. So people were happy for me, but I think that some people did have that kind of question. Why not me? Why her? And I think that's human nature, but other people were really, really happy and launched in and tried and worked with the clay and were, so, you know, it was kind of a mixed bag, what we call a mixed bag. There wasn't universal happiness <laughs> and, um, but there were, I got a lot of support from really good people. You know, I was not born in the time you launched your clay. And I'm always curious about the history of polymer clay community and everything around. And I'm keeping or I'm imagining imagining yourself in the exact moment you launched your clay. You said that you are lucky and that some other artists might be wondering why you. So if you compare yourself right now to the young Donna in this time? What has changed in your art and in your life and in your personality as well? Well, in my art, I would say I've sort of settled into certain things that I really like to do. You know, initially when I worked with Clay, it was all about trying to figure out new things to do, right? 
I was taking pigment powders and blah, 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 blah. And every day it was like I was doing something different. You know, I have some of those old pieces and I look at them and I go, how the heck did I do that? Because I've sort of forgotten how to do some of these things um, because I haven't done them in so long. But I seem to have settled into a certain pattern of things I like to do. Um, of course, that kind of changes, right? Right now, I'm really into caning, a certain kind of caning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, largely that's because of my YouTube channel. I want to, you know, build up the content there. And, but I'm really enjoying caning these days. And that wasn't me before. So mm -hmm. I guess I'm settling into one thing and working a while in it. And I can't say, Lucy, I won't do something else later. You know, I may find something else I want to do and, and I'll do that for six months. Mm -hmm. But I guess in terms of my art, the biggest change is not what I'm making. It's my attitude about my my position in the art community. Mm -hmm. I when I first started, or okay, when I first started, I was like, ooh, ooh, ooh look, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this, and but I was largely a nobody. I was a nobody. I went to a dinner at a, a show that I was in, Marie Siegel was kind enough to help me get into a show and nobody knew who I was. I was just this girl who was demonstrating at a trade show, but based on all the stuff I brought, Marie saw it and she was like, you've got to be in this show. For her, for that, I will be forever grateful to Marie for that. Mm -hmm. And that was a terrible loss for our community. She was a wonderful mm -hmm. person. And I remember sitting down at a table and Grove and I think Grove and Grove were there. They were pioneers in clay. Kathleen was there. Somebody else was there. And I remember Kathleen looking straight at me and saying, who are you? <laughs> and, and I was like, I'm nobody. I'm not. I'm nobody. It's kind of an accident. I'm here. Right. <laughs> and, and that I think back on that, it's hysterical. It's Kathleen, the friend now. Right. But that was really funny. So at that time I was like, um, I'm nobody. <laughs> I'm a nobody. But then, you know, people started to know who I am because of my work and all the articles I did and all the magazines. And um, and at that point, I remember being, thinking, I have to hold on to my position. I have to hold on to my position in this community, whatever that is, I have to hold on to it. And I remember seeing the work of somebody and feeling this pang of jealousy, like, and, you know, feeling like this person was going to overtake me and mm -hmm. I was going to be left in the dust, that I was going to lose my position. 
And that feeling started to happen to me, and it hadn't happened to me before. Because when you're rising up, when you're on the up, when you're doing all this work and you're rising in the community, well, you're the one that people, other people are thinking, oh, she's going to overtake me, right? But then you get to a certain point, and then the people behind you, you have the same yeah. feeling that you yeah. might have given somebody else, mm -hmm. right? Somebody mm -hmm. else felt that way about you. Now you feel that way about somebody else. And I worked for Polyform at the time. And I remember thinking, I can't do my job if I feel this way. My mm -hmm. job is to promote the product by encouraging other people to use it. And if I feel this way, if I feel fear or envy or whatever it is, then I can't do this job. Mm -hmm. And either I have to quit or I have to figure it out. So I thought about it so much and it was like a bolt out of the sky. And what happened was I, <laughs> I realized that if I can be happy for other people and what they make and their achievements and their creation, if I can be happy for them, then I can be happy every day. And I can do my job. I realized that that was the only way I could do my job. Was by letting go of that. By just letting go of it. And by just being happy for other people. When they achieve or when they produce beautiful things. And not compare it to myself at all. So I let go of that then. You said something like super important right now. I think that especially for artists who may be with us in this community just for a few months or years, that feeling is something that everyone went through once. And I think I had it the same way. Like when, when I was a little girl trying to work with clay, experimenting, exploring all possibilities, you always feel like that there is someone better and that someone is doing different things and that you are not there. And then suddenly you don't care anymore and you know that your voice is going through your artwork somehow and that it's going to be original no matter what. I remember visiting even your class when I was 11, 12, 13, I don't know. And I, I was feeling like that. Like you were sitting there Being the star of the global polymer clay community and I came just like a little girl and I wanted to learn and it took me a couple of years since I got over this feeling and I really started to be happy for everyone in the community because then you realize that you are helping each other and the way you support each other it's actually all growing so that's very cool and one of my greatest fear is that or was that What, what is going to happen in 20-30 years when I'm here, the youngest one in the community? What is going to happen when, you know, like we are losing people and it's happening a lot right now. And I'm very sorry about that. And you see your stars and those celebrities in the community and you don't know what's going to happen in 5-10 years. So actually the fact that there are new people coming 
and new beginners and people enjoying this material makes me much more happy because I know it has some sort of future as well, you know. No, you're right, Lucy. You're very mm -hmm. right about that. And you're very wise to come to that understanding and realization. Mm -hmm. Because I think if you can't, if you can't deal with it, if you can't come to some, some understanding of it, then you will leave the community. We've had people leave the community because if you can't understand it, if you cannot live with it, it's painful, mm -hmm. right? It's yeah. painful to think that you're losing ground or you're not as relevant or you're not as important. That's a painful thing to think. And it's too painful to live with every single day. Mm. So that's why I think we've lost people. People who rise and they're wonderful yeah. and everybody's like, oh. And then one day mm. they're gone. Mm. And you wonder, where did they go? Mm. And, you know, it, it, it's not that, you know, you deal with the, these feelings and they completely go away. They'll, sometimes they come back, right? Yep. I'm, I'm a different person than I was when I worked at Polyform. When I worked at Polyform, I was in my 40s, maybe? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not in my 40s anymore. So, you know, these feelings, feelings about your insecurity as an artist can be compounded by your age, right? Can be compounded by that. And you just have to deal with it. Mm. You just have to deal with it. But I still have the same attitude and I try very hard to always have this attitude that I should be happy and celebrate the creativity of other people and then I can be ha a happy person and mm -hmm. I could contribute then. I can. But you know, it, it, it does come back. I gotta tell you, Luz, the insecurity is nothing that you can completely erase. I mean, we're creative people and I think maybe that's part of being creative, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And we tend to compare ourselves to other people. Well, we're going to do that. We're going to do that. I don't know anybody who never compares themselves to someone else in some way. Okay, maybe one. Leslie Blackford. Mm -hmm. I think Leslie is totally above yeah. and beyond the mm -hmm. fray. Yeah. I mean, she's like enlightened in a way that I think most people aren't. I mean, mm -hmm. I know I'm not. I struggle. Yeah. I struggle. I struggle with that as well. Like, every time there is an artwork that I'm going to publish, something mine I have created, you you are not sure about what is the response going to be. And you are even not sure if any other person did something similar before you. So there is always, like, a question mark. Like, is it going to be okay is it something that people will like or perhaps not? It's 
I don't know. It's the process, I guess, of being an artist in this way. And, you know, a question came to my mind. If we look back at your artwork, there must be so many things you have created during your 30 years long career, which is incredible. But do you still remember the feelings you had when you created some certain piece from your collection? Yeah? I do. Mm. I do. I remember... You know, I have that necklace with the discs. I'm actually going to be teaching how to do that necklace on my YouTube channel. <laughs> but I remember making that, and I remember just being so happy. You know, and that's the way it manifests itself in me. I just get very happy. And my, I have a necklace with these two chattering birds. It's simple, you know, but I carve the birds out. One is like a white top with black underneath. And then mm -hmm. the, bird, the birds are white with black underneath. And anyway, and I remember doing it. And I remember feeling joy and delight at it because it just made me happy. <laughs> I mean, I like looking at it. I like feeling it. And sometimes it's just the feel of something, right? When you just sanded it just right and it has this kind of velvety kind of feel to it. Anyway, so yeah, there are definitely pieces that I've made that have made me really happy. And, and you know what? Those pieces are generally pieces that I think I did the best I could and mm -hmm. it worked, mm -hmm. you know, that there is a certain kind of perfection in the piece and that doesn't always happen. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't always happen. That's true. Some days you sit in your studio and nothing good comes out. And some days you sit down in your studio and it's like, I say it's diamonds. <laughs> in your studio mm -hmm. and so yeah things just make me happy I mean it's like visually they make me happy and the feel of them but I've made a lot of things that I look at and I think what was I thinking <laughs> <laughs> what was the first thing you ever created from polymer clay oh gosh loose When I first started, this was before Nan Roche's book, before the new clay. So I went into a children's toy store and I saw this display of all these colorful blocks of clay. And I read that you could boil it in water. So you did. So I bought Cernit. Mm -hmm. You used to be able to boil Cernit in water. So I bought one of every color. I was like, this is amazing. Because I thought the only clay that got hard was ceramic clay, right? That you had a fire. Well, I took it home and I made the cutest stuff. <laughs> I made little Izod. Remember the Izod shirts with the alligator? It was, see, you're too young. You weren't even born then. But there were these shirts before Ralph Lauren Polo, right? 
polo. Yeah. yeah. There were shirts, and it had an Izod alligator, a little green alligator here, mm -hmm. Izod. So I made these alligators with mohawks, <laughs> with cigarettes out, dangling out of their mouths. Anyways. I mean, I was making these ridiculous, crazy things. I, I wish I had some. I don't know where they are. I gave them all away. But yeah, I think uh, the Izod alligators, the little pins you can put on a shirt. Did you know immediately that this material is going to be much more for you in your beginnings? No. No? No. So you just kept trying? I did not. Uh, I have, well, I have to say, I did not see the potential of mm -hmm. medium. I didn't see it. It wasn't until I saw the new clay, mm -hmm. Nan's book, that I realized that there was... I remember looking at it, a friend of mine, Mary Studeriger, she had Nan's book, and she was making canes, and Mary was really, really good. She was a good cane person, graphic designer, so her canes were really beautiful. And I remember looking at this book and going, I know what this is. I have some of this at home. So I promptly got the new clay, the book, and then I started trying to make different things. And um, because I was using Cernet, the canes were like horrible because it was all translucent, right? Uh -huh. yeah, so I built the cane and then, and then I would bake it and it would just look like a blob, yeah. colored blobs. And female, she was, my friend was using female, so they were all very opaque colors and the patterns and the details were really made. So I thought, well, this is ridiculous. You know, I've got all this clay. So I started adding white to the colors. And then I was able to make canes that had identifiable patterns. Mm -hmm. But I remember those first canes, I was like, <laughs> There was absolutely no detail. Mm -hmm. Caning in translucent clays doesn't give yeah, you a lot of detail. Well, how did you learn about the polymer clay community at that time? Because there was no internet. There was actually the polymer clay magazine, Play Informer. But I'm curious, how did you connect together? It was really through my work with uh, uh, Kemper mm -hmm. at the shows. Yeah. Because through uh, working at the trade shows, then I found out that there was this other whole world of polymer clay. And, you know, I mean, this is what I mean about luck, Lucy, because I'm going to tell you a quick story. This is how I got started in the trade mm -hmm. with Kemper. I had a bead store. And I started selling Cernit. And I started giving little classes in the back of my bead store. This was in Chicago. And I wanted different little easy tools. So I contacted Kemper Enterprises in California for cutters. Because mm -hmm. I thought, okay, this is simple. Do, 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 do. Let's make flowers. And I talked to this young woman, Angie Barboa, for hours 
and she was interested in polymer clay because she could see that suddenly there was this market for her product in the polymer clay community. So we talked and talked, and then I sent her some samples of things I was making. You know, I thought, oh, you can use this somehow, show people what you can do with polymer clay. She calls me back and she says, Donna, will you demonstrate for me at the ACCI show in Rosemont, Illinois? It was just like right outside of Chicago. Second biggest trade show. CHA was the, or HIA at the time. So I said, you know, I'm not really comfortable demonstrating because I've never done it and I don't know anything about it. So I will find you someone. <laughs> Two weeks before the show, she calls me and she says, are you going to demonstrate for me? <laughs> and I said, because I hadn't found anybody. I said, absolutely. I'd be happy to do it. Mm -hmm. I'd never demonstrated, Lucy. What did I know? I knew none. I knew nothing about demonstrating. Nothing. Never been to a trade show. Nothing. Totally. I had I had procrastinated myself into this gig at a trade show. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't say no. I hadn't gotten anybody else, and that's why I said yes. So what I did, I selected products that I was going to try to promote these cutters. I designed some simple projects. I had all my clay. Every night, I would lie down in bed, and I would say, hi, my name is Donna. Are you familiar with Kepper products? Every you were trying. night. Uh -huh. I was pre-visualizing the whole thing. I had worked out my whole spiel in my bed. That's some, sometimes even worse, right? When you visualize everything, how it might happen, and then the experience is different. Well, what happened was I got to the show, and because I had done it so often myself, I felt like I had been there before. I felt like I had already mm -hmm. done it and been there. So I did the show, wow. and by the end of the first day, Angie and Madeline, who were standing there, said, we can leave. She could do the whole thing. Because I was just, like, demonstrating my heart out, and people were all over. And So that's how I started. And during that show, you connected with other artists? Yeah. Then, then I started to know. Then I started to know, you know, I saw Maureen Carlson. I was like, oh, that's Maureen Carlson, <laughs> you know, because I had seen the new clay. By now, I had the new clay, and I was playing with polymer. So through that book, it's like, ooh, Maureen Carlson, ooh, Marie Siegel, ooh, you know. 
because I, I sort of knew all these people mm -hmm. who were in the book and they were like stars. Yeah. And so when I saw Maureen, I just about fell over. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, it's Maureen Carl. And when I saw you here in Czech Republic, and I was like, oh, that's the Rakeno. <laughs> like, the very same experience just years later. So that's beautiful. Yeah. You know what I keep thinking? It's so amazing that you influence or have influenced so many companies, projects, people, and the world community. Like, you work everywhere. You even work with Kemper, who sells or creates colors and blades so it's not even a polymer clay so there is like a part of you everywhere which is awesome well sometimes it feels like that huh sometimes it feels like that and uh you know i just sort of keep moving lucy i think that If I could give anybody any, any advice, it would be to keep your eyes open mm -hmm. and to keep moving. Don't close any doors. There are opportunities out there. If you put yourself in a place where they present themselves, and if you take those opportunities and you just simply do the best job you can, most of the time things turn out really well. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, you know, and, and also, you know, if things don't turn out well, because we don't have a hundred percent success rate, nobody does. You pick yourself up and you do, you try to do the best you can to make amends, to, to make things right. And then you move on, but you don't get bogged down in any one failure because there is no one on the planet who is perfect. Mm -hmm. There is no one who hasn't made a mistake. And if you let your mistakes eat you up, then you will never, never achieve your dreams or meet your goals. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of easy to say. Some people... For some people, I think that they're just kind of built, a, we're all built a little differently. So maybe one person like me can say, okay, I made a mistake. I'm going to make it all better. And then, I, mm -hmm. you know, then I'm going to keep moving forward because I have to. And then there are some people who will take things so seriously that they can't quite recover but you have to recover and it's important I think to remember that people don't remember everything forever yeah that's true but also it's like a community of women you know sometimes it feels a little bit too much or maybe difficult because it's like a lot of talking a lot of gossip sometimes so was that ever an issue for you did you ever felt that it's Do you know it? Yeah, it it has mm -hmm. been. It has been. Absolutely. Uh not not recently. Not recently. But within the polymer clay community there was a time when there was really heavy duty competition 
between the brands where Polyform and Fimo and then Cato came into the mix. And we didn't like each other very much. I mean, by the time I had my own clay, you know, I've always liked the Fimo people. I, I will never say anything against them. They were so good mm -hmm. to me. And you know what? I wouldn't be where I am if I hadn't been, uh, I spent a couple years with them. Uh, I would never, ever, ever say anything bad about them. But there was, it was bad. It was bad. I remember going to a show one day and, you know, I had all my work up and I had my pasta machine set up at the table. I couldn't find my handle. My hand, my pasta machine handle. And we just about tore apart that booth. You know where it was? It was at the bottom of a garbage can. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Oh my God. Now, how did it get to the yeah. bottom of a garbage can? Mm -hmm. So I suspect I know who did that to me. And things like that would happen. Things like that would happen. And, and thank heaven that doesn't happen anymore. Thank heaven we have moved beyond that. Because that was like, so petty and so unnecessary. The market isn't huge, but the market's big enough for everyone. We can all succeed. We don't need to tear each other down at every minute, and we don't need to destroy each other. So, yeah, I, I, it was bad, but it's not bad anymore. It, it's mm -hmm. much better now. It's much better now. Thank God. Thank heaven. Yeah. I, I'm... I keep thinking if it's maybe that right now there is like less live things and events and meetings. Everything is mostly on internet. But also, I don't know, it feels like with social media, everyone gets the same spotlight or perhaps the same way, same tools, how to be seen. So suddenly it's about the content yes. you produce and its quality and what you are sharing with the world. And it's not based on events and traits and everything like that that was in the past, right? You know, I think you have a good point. You have a very good point. It's been years since we've been together. We've lived in isolation for the last couple years, haven't we? And maybe, maybe that's part of it. I, I don't know. See, I, I don't know. I don't know how you feel about this, but I don't know if we're ever going to get back to where we were. It's definitely uh, different. Everything I don't... I, I honestly don't know. It's like every day it seems like there's a new something that's keeping us apart. If it isn't COVID, it's monkeypox. Monkeypox? If it is... Seriously, you know... Polio is back. Mm -hmm. Polio. So uh, I don't know what's what's gonna happen. You and I have the very same experience. We both organized lots of events for polymer clay people. So how do you feel about it? Do you even feel that one day you would love to put everyone together again? 
Well, I'm hoping. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping because the experience of being with many people who share your passion and is very special. It's really a special feeling to be part of a community. And I think that's one of the reasons why people are a little goofy mm -hmm. now. I know I am. <laughs> I am. Because uh, I have been spending too much time by myself with my dog. Um, and, you know, that kind of in-person socialization, I think, is really important. People forget how to behave. Mm -hmm. You know, Lucy, if you live your life online as an anonymous person, and you're commenting all over the place on things and being as rude as you can be because you are anonymous. Mm -hmm. it, it's yeah, not good. When you're in the company of other people, it. I think you behave yeah. better. Definitely. I think you do. Yeah. When you're facing someone face-to-face -face and talking to them, then you you alter your behavior mm -hmm. because you're in the presence of a mm -hmm. human being. You know, the funny thing is that maybe you have the same experience. Like, people from different countries have different personalities. And it's some some kind of beautiful to to experience that, you know, like to being present in different cultures. That's what I love the most about it, I think. Well, that's been the great joy mm -hmm. of traveling, is meeting people yeah. from many different countries. And I think we've mm -hmm. talked about this. Um, people are much more alike than they are different. They have basically the same concerns and the same desires and the same needs so yeah it, it's true that you travel the world so what was the most fascinating place you ever visited wow wow I don't have an answer. I honestly mm -hmm. don't have an answer. Every place is fascinating. Everything is different. Uh, I I couldn't even choose one. I love them all. <laughs> I love I there isn't any place I've been where I wouldn't want to go back to I would like to go back to every place I've ever met ever been but you see I've only been to Europe and I was in Japan once I've been to Australia but see I've never been to mm -hmm. South America there are just parts of the world that I've never seen so all the places I've been are familiar. Europe is very familiar. I don't speak 
any other languages, but Europe is very mm -hmm. familiar to me. Sure. So I've never found myself in a place that I haven't felt comfortable on some level, even if I didn't speak the language. To tell you the truth, I've gotten very used to being places where I don't understand what's being said around me. And mm -hmm. I'm okay with that, you know? Mm -hmm. Initially, when I would travel to places where I didn't know the language, I would think, I wonder what they're saying. I wonder what they're saying. And now I'm like, well, I don't understand it. That's okay. <laughs> okay. So I guess that's my answer. I've never been any place that I think is very foreign or very, I've never been frightened any place. I've never felt there was danger. Um, I don't know. I love to travel. I love to travel. Well, during your career, you travel the world, you manage your own brand of clay, you created hundreds, thousands of wonderful artworks, you met so many great people around and you definitely influenced the world polymer clay community. So that's something that I'm very grateful that you did. And I assume that a lot of people and maybe even beginners who didn't know who is behind ghetto clay might, may have right now some sort of better idea how beautiful a person you are. So I would love to ask you, what is something you would like to share for with the new community that is coming or that is even already here and it's just started exploring this wonderful material? What would be your advice or something you would love to let them know? I would say that polymer clay is an adventure, that there are so many doors mm -hmm. that you can open if you try to understand this medium and that this medium becomes a lifelong study because there's so much to it, because there's so much you can do with it and because it satisfies on so many levels and so many interests. And a life in clay as your chosen art medium is full and it's rich. And there's a wonderful community that you can become a part of. I mean, it satisfies on every level. It has satisfied me on every level. And it has opened doors for me that I never ever would have had before. I have seen parts of the world that I never would have seen. I don't think I ever would have, maybe I never would have gone to the Czech Republic. Most people in this country don't travel very much. They go to England, they go to France, they go to Germany. But you know, the Czech Republic or Slovenia or, you know, there are, there are places that I've seen that I, I think most Americans mm -hmm. will never see. So, it's an adventure. It can be an adventure. The community is open and welcoming. 
you're not going to find yourself in a community that keeps a lot of secrets, formulas. You know, ceramicists, they do the most beautiful work. But there are ceramicists who hid their glaze formulas and then they died. <laughs> and those formulas are gone because ceramicists mm -hmm. don't generally share that information. Well, the polymer clay community mm -hmm. is different. We share whatever the knowledge is just flying back and forth. And, and that is different. That's different. So not only will you, will you have this wonderful, fulfilling, uh, artistic output, but you'll be part of a community that has so much to give and it will accept so much from you. It's wonderful. It's very well, special. Thank you so much. Well, let's mention that you started a YouTube channel recently, so people should definitely go there and learn from you and from your incredible skills. So is there something else that you plan? Well, what I'm trying to do now, Luce, is, you know, rather than put up a class that has 30 parts <laughs> I'm I'm doing like for instance the the latest thing I'm doing with the black and white series I'm doing every week I release a new cane or a new technique at the end of that I'm going to release two or three different ways of using what we've done so far so I I'm not sure many I'm not sure. I'm, I'm so unfamiliar with YouTube. I'm like a, a newbie at YouTube. But I think that's what I'm going to do more of, is releasing more complex classes in parts, mm -hmm. and then boink. This is the wrap-up. And then this is another wrap-up. And here's another alternative. Um, I I'm really enjoying it. I really like doing it. I do. I really like it. And I'm start, I'm getting to the point where I actually understand how to do it. It took a while. It took a while. I just, I jumped in with both feet and then discovered I had a few problems. But it's been great because the people who have been coming and watching and commenting, they're so sweet. They're like, it's okay if your hands aren't under the camera. It's okay. We got it. It's okay. It's okay that your dog ran through and started your pasta machine when you... Mm -hmm. They seem to like that. So, we'll see. I intend mm -hmm. to put up a lot more content. No, it's just so wonderful that we get that opportunity to learn from you in this way. That's something that would not be even available years ago. And right now, it's some it's standard or an option that you can share your knowledge through. So we should be definitely thank thankful for, for that and for your time you devote to your channel to share your skills with newbies and those who would love to learn more. Well, Lucy, I've spent a lot of time in the community. And, you know, you're young. You have a long career ahead of you. Wonderful, exciting years ahead of you. As you build this community, because that's what you're doing. You're building the community. 
something. It's a great service to our community. But you get to a, a certain age and it's like, I've got to start giving back. I've got to start putting it out there and giving back. And maybe it helps somebody along the way. Maybe somebody sees something that they really like and they start doing clay and and they find the joy that we have found. So, I don't know, one day at a time, one step at a time, I just keep going. Well, thank just you so going. much. Thank you for having the time today for being in our podcast. And thank you for everything you have done for the Polymer Clay and its community. Because just thank you. Well, thank you, Lucy. Thank you. Your um, polymer clay is, I'm telling you, in your capable hands. <laughs>